my name is Rob Edwards, and this, it's my podcast. Welcome one all to Storycast Rob, the next generation. We're going to take a change of direction for the next few episodes of Storycast Rob, see how people react to it, see, see how people enjoy it. Uh, we finished our reading of Written Blood and Silver, uh, so we've got uh, some new stories uh, from new writers for you to listen to. Coming up in this episode, uh, two bits of flash fiction uh, from fellow Inklings contributors, Claire Buss and E.M. Swifthook. Uh, they're really fun. I really hope you enjoy them. Also, in this new magazine style, uh, I'm going to be doing a few uh, articles and reviews and things like that along the way. Uh, and today, I'll be talking about some of my favourite Big Finish audios, because Big Finish, very much why I got into uh, audio storytelling as a medium. First up, a bit of flash fiction uh, from the pen of Claire Buss. Uh, Claire is a fellow Inklings contributor. Uh, we were in the anthology Tales from the Underground together, and I really enjoyed her story, uh, Underground Scratchings, in that anthology. Uh, she also has a story, Patient Data, uh, in the Sci-Fi Roundtable anthology, uh, The Quantum Soul, which I'm also in as well. I'll tell you more about Claire and her work after this. Passion by Claire Buss He had a passion for books. He liked large, heavy, thick ones with a real heft to them. He liked slimline novelettes that just slipped into his pocket. He liked cream pages and white pages and especially slightly yellowed pages from the older tomes in the second-hand bookshop. There was something about the smell of books that drove him from bookshop to bookshop to bookshop inhaling the heady fragrance. He had a passion for exciting book covers and would spend hours gazing at the different covers available. Some were stark and serious, others seemed determined to capture his imagination as they depicted far-flung exotic-looking places. The ones he liked the best were the fantastical ones, with images of dragons and other mythical creatures. They seemed to sing magic at him. He had a passion for the orderly displays in the bookshops, the way all the cookery books were set out to tickle his taste buds, the way the travel books beckoned him to throw everything in a suitcase and jet off, the way the historical ladies in all their finery gazed down upon him in serious profile. It seemed to him that the people who worked in the bookshop had the uncanny knack of displaying each book just so, and he delighted in discovering new displays and seeing the latest titles. He had a passion for the pre-loved books in the charity shops, the ones that had a forlorn look about them, a little dog-eared around the edges, perhaps a bent cover or some loose leaves. He especially delighted in finding books with handwriting inside them, a sign of ownership, of belonging, or maybe the giving of a gift. He took these ones home with him, storing them carefully in the identical bookcases that lined the walls of his flat. He had a passion for the library that burned with him so strongly that he visited every day and would have told all his friends to do the same, but they always seemed to be too busy for books. The librarians all knew him by name. He sat sometimes in the coffee morning area on Thursday where he could get a free tea and a biscuit. He admired the library staff for pulling themselves away from all the books to spend time with the general public. He privately felt it must be such a chore to have the day interrupted by people's requests when all the books were waiting for you. 
He treasured his library card. It had pride of place in his wallet, so he could be sure to never forget it. Sometimes he used the self-service machine to hear the bleep of his card, but he always made sure that he did it when it was quiet. He didn't want to hold up the other book lovers. He had such a burning passion for books. It was such a shame he could not read. And there we go. Uh, Claire Buss is a science fiction, fantasy and contemporary writer based in the UK. Uh, she won second place in the Barking and Dagenham Penned Print Writing Competition 2015, setting her writing career in motion. The Gaia Effect is a hopeful dystopian novel and winner of the 2017 Raven Award for Favourite Sci-Fi Fantasy Novel and was published in 2016. Tales from Suburbia is a collection of humorous plays, blogs and short stories published in July of 2017. And The Rose Thief is a humorous fantasy inspired by Claire's love of Pratchett and was published in November 2017. I've read The Rose Thief and thoroughly enjoyed it and I do recommend it to you. Next up, uh, another bit of flash fiction uh, from another Inklings contributor, this time E.M. Swifthook. Uh, we've shared uh, Tales from the Underground, Tales of Wonder and the Quantum Soul uh, in common. And this uh, is a bit of flash fiction relating to her novel Trust a Few, which I'm actually just last week started reading myself. And so far I'm really enjoying it. Doubled Spirit by E.M. Swifthook It always began with an explosion. Any explosion, any one of the hundred or more he had survived. The explosion would lock him in, trap him, make him a prisoner of his sleeping mind. In the real world, he was safe in bed with a woman curled close beside him, Vel's cousin, Leia. Her body warm and sated, but it was not enough. The moment sleep claimed him, the explosion would still come, shredding his sanity. Then the nightmare would run on, making him relive each episode as vivid as life, every thought, sensation, feeling, image, as clear as it had been at the time, pursuing him remorselessly until he could somehow scramble back to consciousness from the relentless abuse of sleep. An explosion, crumbling the building to his right as if it were paper. Three more blasts in quick succession, the last close enough to spew out a lethal hail of masonry. The kinetic shielding of his armament's belt protected him so the rubble bounced away, but the screaming beside him was cut off abruptly. What had been two human beings a moment before was now a pulped mess. A shattering silence followed. He could see troops advancing eight, and five more still in cover behind them, according to the lattice screen. Within three bursts, he dropped two of the nearest, the rest scattered for cover. Leader four Delta from Prime, withdraw immediately. The voice in his ear at last, acknowledged. Relaying the order to his three surviving teammates, Jazz put down covering fire as they retreated. The lattice was pounding him with information through his scalp-implanted data port, faster than he could absorb it. Numbers and location of the enemy, their armaments, expected movements, ground plans, suggested paths he could take more. Then, Leader 4 Delta from Prime, Lattice is showing you are surrounded. We are unable to support. Repeat, unable to support. A pause before the voice added, You're on your own out there, Jazz. Bastards. Acknowledged. 
Snarling the word, he focused on keeping up covering fire. He knew they were surrounded. He could see what was going on. The handful of special legion troops he'd been given for this job were being sacrificed, a feint, so the rest of his unit could hit the main enemy base largely unopposed. Except, of course, no one had told him that. It crossed his mind to wonder who he had pissed off enough that so they chose him for this suicide run. If, when, he got out, he would find out and make them pay. Then the thought occurred to him that it was probably nothing personal at all. When you were living out a death sentence, you shouldn't be too surprised to be treated as completely expendable. A sudden blossom of light caught one of the three whose retreat Jazz was covering. It impacted in the centre of the spine, and the figure's arms went wide, briefly embracing air that was suddenly red with a haze of vaporised blood, flesh and entrails. Jazz swore and pulled a grenade loose from his belt, sending it in a skilful parabola back towards the enemy to cover his own retreat. Another of his surviving team went down to a sniper shot, but the third was trying to offer what covering fire she could from behind a partially demolished building and was being pretty effective. He ran, rolled, then vaulted the lowest part of the wall, crouching beside her, checking lattice screens, looking for any way out for them. More blasts exploded on either side and the world disintegrated, finding himself suddenly under a pile of tumbling masonry. Jazz shook free of it like a wet dog shedding water. But beside him, one arm was all that was visible from beneath the rubble. That and the blood. He started running again, watching the environment, watching the screens, checking the lattice data overlays. A movement on the screen broke the profile of the low-rise building beside him, some kind of accommodation block. Appearing on screen, ground plans, elevations, positions of people, their predicted paths, the data projected into his visual field, augmenting his reality. He turned, raking fire across the façade. A figure fell, and a fusillade of energy fire came his way from the building. Lattice visual was showing him six men in there. Lattice data telling him they were armed with anti-mech heavy weaponry, which he knew they would now be turning on him. The energy threshold of his kinetic shield would be zero defence against that kind of power. Lattice data flashed up a helpful message warning him of the override risk. Better late than never. He cancelled it and pumped more of the adrenaline-based cocktail of drugs through the intravenous clip fixed to his torso. Speed was his only defence now, and not much of one. He ran, using cover, changing course, his whole focus on making that speed. The buildings ended in a high wall as he made the final sprint towards it. He tried to decide between tracking along it for a break or scaling it and risking exposure. Checking lattice screens for the information he needed to inform the decision. A close burn sent him diving into the last available cover before the wall, but the screens all went dark, and a mild voice was speaking calmly in his ear. You are not logged on to the lattice. Please be aware, when the countdown hits zero, your brain implants will self-destruct. You are not... Bastards. He cancelled the voice and ignored the timer as its chilling digits counted down his heartbeats on the edge of his visual field. There was nothing he could do. The comm drones had been pulled out, leaving him to die. For a moment he felt the futility of fighting. They had abandoned him. He was not going to get out this time. Then he heard it. Distant sounds of a firefight. Jazz felt an almost dizzying rush of relief. These were the sounds of death that offered him some small hope of life. A moment later, he was up 
and running, freeing the climbing line on the belt. He fired the grapnel, barely waiting for it to impact before swarming up the high wall. He felt incredibly vulnerable, naked to the guns behind. Then he was flattening himself, sliding over the top, dropping down and sprinting. The trace of light caught in his peripheral vision, making him break into an evasive diving roll. He saw, not felt, the next splash of energy. The shock of it impacted afterwards, horrific and crippling, tearing out his strength and will. He hit the ground and stayed down, unable to rise, unable to think, his consciousness hollowed out by the pain. Time fragmented. Awareness shrank. The smell of the dark ground beneath his face, tasting musty and sweet, an alien soil. The beat of his heart, timing the steady flick of numbers that counted down to the moment oblivion would devour him. Then, something moving him, lifting him, an arm under his shoulder, a voice, his brother's voice, Avalon Revid. Let's get you out of here. Waking was always sudden and never easy, like ripping away flesh. Then came the disorientation as the two worlds of the past and present battled for supremacy, which was real. His mind was still caught in the snare of memory, vividly relived. He could feel the cold sweat on his body and the hammering of his heart, a face vague in the darkness. Avalon's? Then another voice, familiar and feminine, full of concern and compassion. You got it bad tonight. The face shifted, the features softening into leers. She was there for him, as she had been the last time, and the time before that, and he knew then, with a sudden certainty, she would be there for him every night he needed her. He reached out, and her arms slipped round him, drawing him close, holding him as he sobbed in relief, like a frightened child. Uh, E.M. Swifthook is the author of the Fortune's Fool science fiction series of books and co-author of the Di and Julia Mysteries alternative history series. In the words that Robert Heinlein put so evocatively in the mouth of Lazarus Long, writing is not necessarily something to be ashamed of, but do it in private and wash your hands afterwards. Having tried a number of different careers before settling in the northeast of England, with family, three dogs, cats, and a small flock of rescued chickens, she now spends a lot of time in private and has very clean hands. If you visit my blog, www.storycastrob.co.uk slash WP, I'll put links to both uh, Claire and EM's Twitters, uh, on there, so you can follow them and uh, keep track of what else they're writing there. Both writers are worth your attention and worth following. One of the things I thought I'd do with this new magazine style of Storycast Rob is to take the chance to talk about some of my favourite audio storytelling. And in future episodes, I'll probably end up talking about The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy and Lord of the Rings radio plays, both of which were huge influences on me as a child. And maybe I'll talk about some of my favourite audiobooks as well. But where I'm going to start, and I acknowledge the irony, is with Big Finish. Big Finish, essentially, are the reason why I started my podcast. Uh, I enjoyed their work so much that I wanted to have a stab at it myself. If you don't know Big Finish, they are perhaps most famous uh, for uh, their Doctor Who audio range. Uh, they have produced literally hundreds 
of audio plays and uh, audio books uh, which feature all of the Doctor's Who uh, and various companions as well. On top of the Doctor Who range, though, they do things like uh, Sherlock Holmes, uh, The Avengers, that's the 60s spy stuff rather than the Marvel Comics Avengers, uh, Terrorhawks, Dark Shadows, The Prisoner, Survivors. In the past, they've done Judge Dredd, um, Stargate, Highlander, a whole wealth of different material, and some of their own uh, stuff their own stuff some of their own uh, productions as well uh, written just for them they're fantastic generally i have to say big finish's work is amazingly good uh, and what i want to do with this little bit here is to talk about some of my favorite big finish productions the only problem with doing that though of course is that you do end up talking about the same ones that everybody talks about. I could talk about Peter Davison's Fifth Doctor um, in Spare Parts, fantastic Cyberman origin story. Or I could talk about Paul McGann's Eighth Doctor in Chimes of Midnight. Brilliant, brilliant atmospheric play written by Rob Shearman. Fantastic stuff. The only problem is, as I say, everybody talks about these ones. Everyone talks about those, and I could list off a whole other lot as well. Uh, what I want to do instead is talk about uh, some of my favourites in the perhaps less well-known uh, subcategories uh, of Big Finish. Now, as soon as I say this, I know that someone who's listening to this is going to go, well, yes, I know that one. I would have said that one as well and that one as well. Uh, and that's brilliant. That means we have very much... Uh, the same mind about these things. But I think the ones I'm choosing today are ones which not everybody would immediately go to uh, as top five examples of Big Finish and their work. And just to add, uh, these are not in any particular order. These aren't the fifth best to the first best. These are just five of my favourites, just to be clear on that point. Number five in this numerically insignificant series. Bernie Summerfield timeless passages. I thought I'd start with Bernice Summerfield, Benny to her friends, because so did Big Finish. Uh, Twenty years ago this year, I believe, uh, was the very first Big Finish uh, production uh, and adaption of the Bernice Summerfield novel, Oh No It Isn't. But the episode I want to talk about today is from 2006 uh, and is uh, the second episode of her seventh season of uh, solo adventures and it's called timeless passages i have talked about this one uh, in the past as being so good uh, that it is showing off the story is extremely simple on the face of it uh, bernice summerfield goes to a library to rescue books before the library gets bulldozed but we then get into um well, I suppose in the in the modern Doctor Who era, you'd have to call it timey-wimey stuff uh, because it all kind of overlaps and uh, interweaves with the past and the future uh, and killer assassin robots, and it's all uh, very exciting. But the thing which really sells Timeless Passages for me, the thing which really uh, I just love it, is the atmosphere. Uh, there is something about closing your eyes putting on your headphones and letting uh, something as brilliant as this radio play 
take you away to a strange new world with strange new problems. And throughout Lisa Bauman as Bernie Summerfield is our linchpin, uh, our cornerstone to hang the adventure on. Such a likeable character, such a likeable uh, performance uh, and surrounded by this uh, weird, uh, dangerous, uh, exciting scenario. Uh, if you want to listen to any of Big Finish's productions, you really could go not much better than Timeless Passages. Sadly, only available on CD, so you can't get this one uh, on download, uh, but well worth seeking out. I have uh, a copy of it, which I have uh, signed by Lisa Bauman, uh, and is one of my uh, most treasured bits of memorabilia. It really is a fantastic standalone adventure. You don't need to know anything about the six seasons which went before or the many seasons which came after. Uh, it just oozes atmosphere. It is fantastic. Number four, 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 four. Sherlock Holmes, The Hound of the Baskervilles. I've enjoyed every single one of Big Finish's Sherlock Holmes productions. Uh, they are fantastic. Uh, they are a diverse array of options. Uh, we have uh, new productions with new stories that they've produced. We have adaptations of uh, Conan Doyle's original works, and we have adaptations uh, of uh, other um, established works which are adjacent to uh, the established canon, things like the Tangled Skein and stuff like that. I chose Baskerville simply because uh, if you're looking to try any one of them, you have a classic adaptation of a classic Conan Doyle story, and you get the very best of what Big Finish Sherlock Holmes is. And the very best of what Sherlock Holmes is on Big Finish is Watson. Uh, Richard Earle as Dr. Watson uh, is, for me, now and forevermore, I think, the quintessential Dr. Watson. Uh, he holds the whole piece together. Uh, his narration is fantastic. Uh, and uh, you see Watson here, not as the bumbling fool of some of the uh, uh, black and white films of Sherlock Holmes, but as a smart guy trying to keep up uh, with his best friend who is just beyond. Uh, and again, lots of atmosphere, a very faithful adaptation to the original story, uh, and is well worth your time. It is available on download and on CD, and uh, you would do well to try it out. Number three, 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 three. Jago and Lightfoot and Strax, The Haunting. I love this story. It is absolutely ridiculous. Mixing the new series and the old uh, with Strax from the new series, a Sontaran from the Paternoster gang, uh, meeting up with... Uh, Jago and Lightfoot, Victorian adventurers, uh, originally appearing in the 1970s Doctor Who story, The Talons of Weng Chiang. And together they team up to investigate uh, some uh, disappearances. It is fantastically funny. Uh, Strax has always been played for comedy in the new series. To be honest, a bit one note as a result. And what I love about this story is it takes this one-note character and gives him extra, extra levels. Uh, and the reason they're able to do this is unlike in stories where the Doctor appears 
or Madame Vastra appears, Strax here gets to be the knowledgeable one. He's still funny, he's still making mistakes, he's still uh, not getting people's genders and all that kind of shtick that we see uh, in the new series all the time. But he also here gets to show that he is smart. He is the one who knows about spaceships. Jago and Lightfoot do not. One is a a Victorian pathologist and the other is a Victorian music hall owner. They don't know this stuff. And seeing Strax in this new environment uh, adds a new layer to this new to this new series character uh, which you just don't see anywhere else and it is very very funny very very clever and is really worth your time number 2 doctor who the holy terror so i can't talk about big finish and not talk about their doctor who range uh, so the last two in my list today are going to be doctor who audios directly and you may have heard a lot of Doctor Who from Big Finish, and you may already know how good the Holy Terror is. If you haven't, do yourself a favour, go and find it. Uh, it features Colin Baker, the sixth Doctor, who gets a really bad rep on the television, but Big Finish have gone a long way uh, towards redeeming this character, to making him properly and truly the Doctor. And Colin Baker is fabulous in the role. Uh, here he is paired with a companion that appeared only in the comic books, uh, a shape-changing uh, alien called Frobisher, uh, most commonly appearing as a penguin. This is uh, ideal audio material, as you can imagine. Uh, it is another play by Rob Shearman, like The Chimes of Midnight that I mentioned earlier. Uh, and just about everything that Shearman wrote for Big Finish uh, is gems. Uh, the Holy Terror is an amazing piece which starts being light and frothy and ridiculous with a talking penguin uh, and being nominated as the ruler of this planet uh, and then uh, a comedy uh, prisoner being interrogated by comedy guards and then on a dime it turns right and becomes really really dark really really serious and it is just amazing um, even the people who listen to Big Finish I think neglect the ones which don't have the big name companions in it and if you've not listened to The Holy Terror you are missing out it is great number one Doctor Who Solitaire. Solitaire comes from the Doctor Who Companion Chronicle range. Uh, and this series, uh, unlike most of the stuff we've talked about today, uh, is normally uh, a single voice narrator, more like an audiobook really, uh, with usually one guest cast member uh, just to break things up a bit, make things more interesting. Uh, in fact, this is an outlier. Solitaire actually could easily fit into the main Doctor Who range. Uh, and it is a two-handed play uh, featuring India Fisher playing the Eighth Doctor companion Charlie Pollard and David Bailey playing the Celestial Toymaker. Uh, in this play, uh, Charlie finds herself uh, in uh, a toy shop uh, with no real memory of how she got there, uh, no real idea of how to get out, uh, just uh, this mysterious character, the, the toy shop owner, uh, challenging her to play a game. 
Uh, and the thing that I love about this audio play is just the voices. I mean, it's a brilliant script. Don't get me wrong. John Dorney wrote the script. He is one of Big Finish's best writers, uh, certainly in recent years. Uh, it is a fabulously well-written piece. There's a really intricate, interesting puzzle which unravels uh, as you go forward uh, through the piece. Uh, it is very well written. Don't get me wrong. But the thing that I love about this episode of The Companion Chronicles are those two voices. India Fisher, David Bailey, both outsmoothing each other throughout the entire piece. It is like listening to treacle. I, is that a positive thing? I don't know. Uh, but it is. It is a fantastic listen. Again, like all of the pieces in here, so atmospheric. It's what audio, I think, does really well. Perhaps not the way I do it, but uh, in general, audio plays uh, are wonderful at building atmosphere, uh, often uh, better uh, than uh, films or TV, because, oh, and I've heard this so many times in the big finish behind-the-scenes interviews, but it is true that letting your imagination build the visuals uh, means that you get to conjure uh, a setting which uh, really speaks to you. Uh, the special effects are better on audio. Yes, I know so many people have said this in Big Finish behind-the-scenes um, interviews. I've really gotten bored with it. But it is still true, which is really annoying. Um, fantastic. It is really... A, go find it out. Uh, Solitaire, Companion Chronicles. Uh, it is brilliant. And that brings us roaring towards the end of this first episode of the new style Storycast Rob. I really hope you enjoyed it. Uh, let me know. You can tweet me at Storycast Rob uh, or you can leave a comment uh, on uh, the uh, blog post that I have associated with. Oh, sorry, I completely lost my train of thought there. Uh, with the blog post that I have associated uh, with this uh, new episode as well. Uh, www.storycastrob.co.uk slash WP uh, for my blog. Uh, one very last bit of business to talk about, uh, and it's not what I'm really terribly comfortable with, but I, it needs saying. Um, I'm very proud of Storycast Rob, and I'm very happy to see that in recent months it has been growing. Uh, more and more traffic every month, people listening to and hopefully enjoying what they hear on the podcast. Unfortunately, what it's meant for me uh, is I'm going to have to pay for more expensive hosting uh, because I don't want people hitting the download limit uh, and not being able to get an episode of Storycast Rob just because other people have been enjoying it this month uh, as well. Uh, the podcast will remain free. Uh, you will always be able to check it out for free in the archive for free. But if you are able to help me uh, with the costs of hosting and uh, producing the podcast, uh, I have set up a Patreon account uh, where you can support uh, Storycast Rob. Uh, go to uh, patreon.com slash storycastrob. Uh, and if you subscribe just for a dollar a month uh, to really help me offset the costs of hosting this website, it would be very much appreciated. But only, obviously, if you can afford it, if you want to do it. There is no obligation. The podcast will continue 
uh, without. Uh, but if you can, that would be fantastic. Uh, anyone who does uh, join me as a patron, uh, I will be looking to produce uh, mini podcasts, probably about four times a year, maybe once a season, uh, with a little bit of bonus extra content uh, for my patrons. Uh, but uh, the main podcast uh, and the bulk of uh, what I produce audio-wise uh, will be uh, continuing free uh, here on the podcast. Anyway, yes, kind of uncomfortable with that. Not very happy about talking about it, but uh, uh, if you can help, I would appreciate it. Yeah, let's move on. Um, thank you very much for listening. I really hope you enjoyed the two stories from Claire and EM, uh, both good friends of mine, both great authors, both uh, with some good stories out there, good books out there, uh, well worth your time uh, and your attention. That's it for this month. Uh, join me next month uh, for two more stories from uh, Inklings contributors uh, and uh, a little bit more from me about my history with audio storytelling as a medium thanks for listening catch you next time cheers